lot of people know about, and not many people out of a, a, any given group of population actually can understand. You all know about code. And uh, you've all, in almost every war movie or, in fact, a lot of other types of movies, there will be a little brief interlude of code. Like the other night, I, I happened to be watching an old movie. And, uh, and it was a very old movie, see? And what was the... Yeah, that's right. It was William Holden in, uh, in a movie called The Key, which is a very interesting movie, by the way. Uh, one of the one of the, it's a fascinating movie. One of the best things that Holden ever did, actually. And it's a it's a movie about a captain of a of a salvage tug that was uh, operating off the coast of Holland during World War II, when they'd go out and pick up these these uh, seamen that had been hit by torpedoes and so forth. Very dangerous work, and the Germans were always giving them the business and so forth. Well, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm not even paying attention to the movie, when all of a sudden the, the sequence comes on where they have the code room, and uh, Holden is in there, and suddenly you start hearing this... And you know, they, they're telling him he's being called, see, because he has a, he has a job. Uh, they would send these guys out every time, uh, every time there was a distress call, and they would send them out in different rotations. So he goes... It's an SOS. You all recognize that. But then he went... Now, what was he saying? Well, I, I immediately sat up. I says, what the... I says, this guy's sending this in, in, uh, in clear, clear code which is highly unusual in wartime, and I says, he's sending it in clear code. And I, I, uh, the person who was with me says, what do you mean? What, what is, they didn't know I even knew code. And I says, well, that's an SOS from, a, from an American registered ship, uh, the, the call sign being KRTA. I don't know what, the, you know what particular ship it is, but you could look that up, incidentally, if you had the, uh, the directory of uh, call signs, but it was a, an American registered ship. And then he goes... <laughs> He says, sub, sub, going down. And uh, he was sending what had happened. They had been hit by a sub. They were sinking. And it was KRTA, and it was an American ship. Well, instantly, the whole plot hinged on that. But uh, Holden said, what is that idiot doing, sending this out in plain, ordinary... Uh, uncoded uh, language. He's he's sending it in plain language. Every every German boat in the uh, twenty eight million miles is going to be there now. See, <laughs> and and the whole key to the plot was that. And I just wonder how many people sitting around listening to it knew what the guy was saying. And he really was saying, you know, once in a while, uh, as a uh, as an old CW type. Uh, when I say old, I, I said from the time I was 13, maybe even earlier, about 10 or 11, I, well, I was involved in CW. You know, any kid who learns a foreign language at the age of 10 or 11 is far better off than somebody who tries to learn it, say, later in his 20s or 30s. Uh, he, he will just accept this language without question, and it'll be as, make as much sense as his own language which, when you stop to think about it, a kid of 10 has not known his own language very long. <laughs> he doesn't speak it very well, really. 
And so he doesn't have a lot of stuff to unlearn. Well, when I got involved in code, which came out of uh, a Cub Scout pack that I was in, when I got, I went up for a, for a uh, some kind of a merit badge they had. We had to learn code, not wigwag, semaphore, but I'm talking about actual Morse code. I got so hung on it that by the time I was 13 or 14, I, in fact, by the time I was 13, I had a 45 word per minute certificate which is a lot of code for a kid. And it was just natural. It was as natural to me as breathing. And to this day, uh, I still work code uh, quite a bit, CW on, on handband, but today, code to me is as natural as speaking. In fact, in some ways, even more natural. Because the thoughts seem to fall more in line. They seem to have more consistency when you when you put them into another it's like it's like conrad you know the the thing about joseph conrad was conrad was polish and he spoke polish and was born in poland and yet he has he wrote some of the greatest stuff ever written in the english language it's because he learned a second language and he thought about it it was a precise language with him because he learned it and for that reason he could write extremely well in an alien language, probably better than he could write in Polish. And uh, that's the way we code with people. I know a lot of people who think very clearly when they're sitting in front of a key, a bug or whatever it might be. But the minute you, you talk to them, they're quite incoherent. <laughs> they're quite uh, mute. Uh, have you seen that type? Well, code, I'm not going to go into a whole story on code tonight, but... Uh, uh, one of the one of the things that you learn about code is that is that it's all rhythm, it's beat, it's it's not really specific sound, it's beat and it's rhythm. So if you hear you hear it in total words, sometimes even whole phrases, not letters. Uh, that's when you really get good at code. You just, it's just like it's like when you listen to somebody speak, you don't have to think in terms of the specific syllables, or in, in terms of the specific words. You just know what a guy's saying. You just know. And uh, that's the way code is. Now, I'll give you an idea of how code sounds, the way it should sound, really. Listen. That's an A. I'll do it again. <laughs> A B. C. You notice that little Lake Erie swing in there? Now, what is a Lake Erie swing? See, uh, uh, when, you, when you listen to a good code operator, he develops a swing. He's, it's just like a person who has a style in speech a slight accent. So here's a Lake Erie swing for you. If I were to send the words, uh, let's say the letters CQ, if I were to send them the way they should be sent, it would go... Very clean and without any accent. The Lake Erie swing would do it this way. See the difference? It has a, it has a swing. Very musical. Uh, for example, if you send the word T-H-E, which should be sent like this. Uh, I did it very precisely for you there. Here's the way it would be in Lake Erie Swing. <laughs> it goes... So he gets, a, ooh, he gets that long diphthong in there. But uh, even code can be very... In fact, more, I think, that code is as distinct as your own fingerprint. But you know that there have been cases in the past, a long time ago, when, when uh, there were many CW operators around, 
when actual crimes of on the high seas, one thing or another involving insurance, were solved by a recording of a specific code operator's swing. It's extremely distinctive. It's as difficult to conceal as your own speech. You know, the, the, the sound of, of code. But the <laughs> how I got on this, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably boring most people. Oh, what's all this about? But, but code, uh, for, for those of you who might think that code is out of date, it's not so. As a matter of fact, uh, code, uh, I, I've wondered when people... I've I, I predicted for a long time that there would be a great upswing in shortwave listening. Uh, in the country, and there has been. In other words, a lot of people are picking up shortwave again as a as a as a uh, as a hobby, and they're listening to foreign stations and they're listening to to foreign DX and so forth. And now the next thing that many of them are going to do, they're going to start listening to those CW stations. You know, you can sit and listen to a CW station. I remember my old man was so fantastically amazed. You know, as a kid, it's 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 like I had learned this strange trick. And uh, I had built a shortwave receiver that I, I got for Christmas as a kit. And it was a super regenerative, or rather regenerative receiver. And it was excellent on CW. And uh, that's all I ever listened to. I never listened to, uh, to phone. I never listened to regular broadcast stations. And I'd sit in there by the hour and copy press wireless. And uh, I, I had bought myself a whole raft of second sheets, you know, this yellow-type paper that printers use, and I would sit there, and I would write out entire newscasts. You know that uh, you can hear newscasts coming from all over the world that is is on press wireless. And uh, I would sit and copy ships continually, which you can do if you if you know code well enough. You know, two ships talking back and forth, and these two radio operators are just sitting there shooting the breeze and just talking about things in general. They're not even sending messages. They're uh, you know they're talking about their friends Howie and Mac. And what happened last week when they were in Melbourne? Uh, this is WOR in New York. You know, most people have an idea of radio. It's just the radio station they listen to. But this is like an iceberg. One tiny part of uh, the whole radio spectrum uh, is known to most people. And that great vast thing that hangs underneath it, down in the deep waters, where it really is. And uh, as a CW type, uh, I... I uh, in fact, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in the Army came about as a result of CW. I was in the Signal Corps, and uh, most guys in the Signal Corps learned code. Well, of course, I, I, I knew CW very well long before I got into the Army, and by the time I got in, when I was 17, uh, oh, I was good for maybe an average with a mill. I could, I could uh, receive probably 50, 52, 53 words a minute when I was really on. Uh, I never got beyond that particular plateau, but I could have, I suppose, if I really worked at it. Because once you, once you break 50, you're in the big time. Uh, that's like a golfer. Once he breaks 70, he can do pretty much. You know, He may not shoot a 65, but if you once break 70, or at least shoot a 70, you're in the big time golf. And that's the way it was is with code. Once you receive 50 words a minute, you're good. And uh, nevertheless, here I am, I'm, I'm in the, the Signal Corps. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that I got involved in at one point was an outfit called Low-Speed Field Net Operations. You ever heard of that? Well, Low-Speed Field Net Operations is 
when when a when a division actually it's usually a regiment when a regiment is is uh, is in the field an infantry regiment or it may be a, a an engineer regiment some kind of a regiment is in the field it has a signal detachment associated with it now this signal detachment in general and in fact in specific has uh, different types of uh, signal corps guys one guy may work only uh, radio phone stuff which you know walkie-talkie things where they where they will be in contact with uh, with the battalion or they'll be in contact with the say uh, division headquarters and then of course division has a big setup where they're in, in touch with core headquarters that's a great big operation well low-speed field operations goes even further than that so you get out among the companies there's always one guy who is the signal yardbird he's he's in charge of uh, communications now uh, he can do it several ways one way he can operate the walkie-talkie and of course a walkie-talkie is dangerous because anybody can hear you and if you're pretty hard to code your speech and so if you're being picked up uh, it's quite dangerous so they usually have also a CW scene where the guy can operate a code operate a key and he sends in a code in other words coded groups which is to say if I were to send uh, on a certain day uh, for for a T we'll say which is a single dash uh, I would have sent every time I send a B we'll say that actually means T and so it's a code within a code so here we are we're out on, on maneuvers I'll never forget this Gee, what a moment and and it was it was cold and rainy. Oh man, it was bad news. And we had been out in the field for about three weeks, and everybody was really bugged. I mean, our laundry hadn't been hadn't been sent in or come back, and we were smelly. We were eating uh, K rations, and you can get you get pretty tired of that stuff after a while. You know, it looks great in the movie, but after a while, after you've eaten your twenty third meal consisting of cold dog biscuits. And uh, and a and a crushed candy bar, and uh, a, a can of uh, ice cold. This is always goes down good. A can of ice cold canned scrambled eggs. Have you ever had canned scrambled eggs? Well, they they taste everybody as rotten as they sound. And so after about three weeks of that, you, you know you're really you're really bugged, and everything bugs you, and you begin to develop a, a peculiar sardonic sense of humor. It's uh, it's like concentration camp humor which is the humor of the totally uh, the totally downtrodden uh, that's one side of the of the army life or the armed forces life you don't see much of you know they don't talk much about this it's a kind of sardonic humor and so i am scrunched down in the rain next to my signal corps field set oh, what a hated piece of equipment it's a, it it falls out like a desk you see and it's got a it's got a little low power transmitter about a 10 watt cw transmitter in it and it's got a key that falls down on the desk. The whole thing falls down. It's it's carried. It's a portable thing. And one one guy carries it around on his back usually. And it has a has a little rod antenna that sticks up about ten fifteen feet. It telescopes up. See, so I'm scrunching down in the rain there with a poncho over my head, and the rain is slowly drifting down. And we have a net. Now, what is a net? A net is a group of uh, little stations that are all connected together. And there's a, the net control station. There's one station that's like the MC of the talk show. And uh, 
he's he's in charge of all these little stations, and they they send the the messages back and forth. So, for example, if Shepard, uh, let's say he's uh, he's uh, sending for Company K, he may be the uh, CW operator. Now, if Company K has a message, say for Battalion Headquarters, and I'm in, oh, let's say Regimental Headquarters, and I'm in touch with Battalion, I will send this message back to Net Control Station or NCS. And uh, he will then relay it on to regiment, regimental NCS, who will then, if it has to go on up the v- division, so on, all the way on up. So it's all very businesslike, see. And every station has its call sign. And and you could tell uh, each guy, you could really tell each guy by the sound of his fist. And so I'm scrunched down there, see. And... And I'm listening to the net control. Here. And he's sending out. He says, "K, go ahead." So the next guy would pick pick up his. Each we had coded signs, like your your sign may be LD, we'll say for example, or BF. And so here comes BF back. He goes. some equipment and he is repeating it twice please send such and such such and such please send so and so and then he finally winds up he says he go like this that is BF has just signed and is standing by in the net and now he's turned it over to the NCS who will then pass it on to the next station where well, we're all sitting there <laughs> and and I'm, I'm listening to this thing. I'm listening to There's about 10 or 15 stations in the net, and some of them are very faint because they may be 20, 25 miles away, and the rain is coming in, and it's, it's drifting down. It's a bad day. When all of a sudden it happened, some station, one of the net stations, way off in the boonies someplace, K.A., uh, K.A. stands by. He goes like this. do 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 he says, <laughs> Herb copied that. So he, he stands by. Well, then all of a sudden, without any warning, another signal came in, quite faint, and with a bad rasp on it. It goes, and it starts sending obscenities. <laughs> A completely alien station breaks into the net and starts sending some bad stuff. Well, there was a dead silence on the net, a stunned silence, just like that, because the NCS, what he did, he jumped into the into the net before the NCS station could pick up. He's obviously waiting for a break, and he did. And he said this stuff. And with that, there was a dead silence, and the, the NCS station goes... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
repeat. And back he comes again. Well, I want to tell you, there was an uproar around that net. You could hear, you know, guys sending, and then, and then discipline began to break down, see. And somebody sends way off in this year, <laughs> one little guy. Now, that's that's some guy's laughing. He's sending laughter. That's the way you send laughter, see. And, and you could see the net control station is getting madder and madder. Well, this continued for about a half an hour. And it obviously was not one of our stations. Uh, because, for one thing, the note was totally alien. It had a very different sound. It had uh, Obviously, it was uh, a piece of equipment that didn't have quite the filtering we had. And he had a kind of... A vaguely rough note. And uh, so it was obviously somebody from somewhere else. And after that was over, I mean, it, he dropped out of the net, and that was the end of it. Well, I want to tell you, it really hit the fan. Uh, every last one of us radio operators were brought in <laughs> to to uh, to control headquarters, in fact, brought in to, to regimental headquarters, and quizzed. And then they gave us stuff to send. Each one of us was was given a piece of paper with with a message on it. For example, they says, all right, Shepard, I want you to send this, see. And uh, they gave us about ten minutes of stuff to send on a straight key so that you couldn't fake your, uh, after a while, you may be trying to fake your... your uh, your fist, but after a while it would come through. You see, it's like if if I gave you twenty minutes to talk, eventually your your accent would betray yourself. And so I'm sitting there sending this stuff. <laughs> and so they listened each guy, and they recorded each one of us. And we sat back and waited. I know, I know I've never told this story before because this story just occurred to me. I, I don't remember ever telling anybody about this. And we sat back and everybody went back to his company. And we were, I was brought back in a Jeep and, and everybody looked kind of suspiciously at me, at me because apparently I'm the kind of guy that people suspect is going to do something like that. I don't know why. And uh, I was very innocent. Well, uh, the investigation continued. And, you know, to this day, I never did find out what happened. I know that it never happened again because we were, we continued to be in maneuvers for about a month, and I, I never heard another guy break in. Now whether they caught him or not, I don't know. But one of the one of the funniest things I've ever heard done that way about uh, you know strange uh, drifting radio messages was was the time, and this was with the walkie-talkie. You guys, you amateur types, may be interested in this because uh, you know walkie-talkies are way up in the UHF range and uh, high-frequency stuff. And it's re very limited range. The average walkie-talkie uh, probably can be heard over maybe a couple of miles at best. And uh, so one day we were using a walkie-talkie in this radar company I was in. And it was a radar, uh, it was a, a walkie-talkie that was on 144 megs, roughly, about two meters, roughly, was the frequency of it. And so uh, we were using it to tune the antenna that's had a huge tower, this, uh, this uh, radar set, tremendous tower that was maybe, uh, oh, it was probably uh, 150 feet tall. This was a fixed-base radar, maybe 200 feet. It was a big tower, like a, like a big uh, high-tension tower. And so the, the antenna tuning team is up on the top there, and they're, they're tuning the dipoles, and 
the guys on the ground were in touch with them as they were reading the meters with the use of a walkie-talkie. So the guys on top are sitting, you know, on, on the platform. They're working with the dipoles, and they're talking. Yeah, okay, Fred, uh, it's dropping down now. It's down to 15, down to 25 millivolts down. Yeah, okay? Now I'm going to move it out again. What kind of reading do you get now? I'm sliding it out this way. I'm, I'm uh, changing the shortening bar now. I'm, I'm, uh, you say move it back a little bit? Is it dropping off again? You know, this kind of stuff, see? Well, all of a sudden, a voice breaks in, a totally alien voice. Now, remember, they're on two meters. Totally alien voice breaks in. And the guy says, uh, what are you guys doing? Hey, uh, uh, who, is, who is this on the frequency? This is, uh, and he gives a call sign. And so the guy up on the top says, Hey, hey, uh, Fred, come on, quit fooling around down there. We, it's, it's getting cold up here. Quit horsing around. He's talking into the, into the walkie talkie. He says, Quit horsing around. We want to get down. It's getting cold up here. And the voice comes back again and says, uh, uh, Hello, uh, the, the signal on, on the frequency. What, uh, what the signal am I copying? Over, please. He's asking for the guy. says, This is, uh, and he gives our, our little local call sign, which we used for our walkie talkie, you know, something like, uh, This is uh, NDL 26. That's the company K8167 uh, Signal Construction Radar Battalion. There's a dead silence for a second. The guy says, What outfit are you? I never heard of your outfit. He says, Well, I never heard of your outfit. What up for you in, smart guy? <laughs> They're up there having an argument, see? Would you believe it? In the middle of the of the afternoon, by some fantastic trick of the ionosphere, these guys in the middle of a radar setup in the swamps of the Everglades are in touch with a with a signal depot that was testing equipment outside of Algiers. So help me. <laughs> fantastic moment. And they talk back and forth for about roughly four or five minutes before the signals faded out. It was one of those fantastic freaks uh, that happened occasionally with sunspots and one thing and another. And this guy with the walkie-talkie is now talking to Africa. Well, uh, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a shattering experience. And so they, they, they came, and everybody thought it was a gag, you know. Everybody thought it was a fantastic gag. Somebody sitting out in the boondocks, you know, had, uh, had got a walkie-talkie because he came in too loud. Had gotten a walkie-talkie and broke in on our conversation and was uh, having a ball with it. And that was the end of it. Well, of course, later on it was confirmed that we actually had worked the station near Algiers on our walkie-talkie. Now, that, that, you know, things like that, are, are uh, they, they happen more often than you think. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget the time uh, it, it, we're going to do a radio show here tonight, I'll, I'll, you know, talking about technical things in radio. I remember one night, uh, I was working in a, in a uh, station, a, a television station in Cincinnati at that time. This was before I came to New York, and I, and I had a TV show. And it was a very strange thing. I, I, uh, for those of you who don't know this, I came to New York as a television performer, not a radio performer. I had done TV for a long time in, in the Midwest, and I came out here. Well, uh, this was when I had uh, this TV show was on. And that night, I was working with the director, and that we were preparing that night's show. And this was a big station, and is a big station. It's one of the most powerful uh, uh, television stations in the Midwest. And we were sitting around uh, in downstairs in the film editing room, working away, when all of a sudden, 
the phone started to ring in master control, which was right back of our, our editing thing, and uh, the engineers there picked it up. It was a regular show on. I think we were carrying uh, uh, some uh, uh, one of the net-type uh, gun smoke shows. You know, it was just going on. It was a, a net show that we were carrying. And the engineer picks up the phone. He said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, we got gun smoke on. Wait, what's the matter? And he's talking to the operator. He says, well, well what... Uh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, come on, now, you put me on? He said, look, we've got the gun smoke on. He says, and if anybody calls in, just tell them they're out of their mind. So he hung up. And a couple of minutes later, the, uh, another call. Well, it turns out that we were being deluged. We were literally being deluged with calls, thousands of calls coming in from all over the area there. Suddenly, our signal had just completely dropped out. We were on, uh, gee, I, don't, I think it was channel... Uh, Four there, yes. Channel four, I believe, in Cincinnati. It was as if suddenly our signal just disappeared. It's gone completely. And what comes in but a minor league baseball game that was being played in San Antonio. Yeah, and it was a San Antonio minor league game, and it came in as clear, as sharp as a crystal. I mean, the voice and everything else. It was just suddenly, it was like in the middle of gun smoke, zap. Out goes gun smoke, and in comes the uh, the uh, San Antonio Seals or something. Just like that. Well, everybody thought that we had had a mistake, you know, that somehow the, the uh, coaxial cable had gotten, uh, had gotten tangled up and we were carrying the wrong show. Not at all. That we had dropped out completely out of the picture, and this San Antonio station had blocked us out completely, and in came this minor league game. And they came in like a ton of bricks. You couldn't even... In fact, it was fantastic because immediately all the engineers ran out. You know, they were, we, we ran across the street. There was a bar across the street where the guy had a, had a TV set. And uh, we were... We, of course, naturally, in our own station, you could look on the monitors, and there was gun smoke. But uh, they ran across the street to the bar... And there in the bar, they had over the over the bar, they had a big TV set, and we ran in and said, "Quick, get 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 our get Channel Four." And the guy turns on Channel Four, and he says, "Oh, ball game! Hey, there's a ball game on, you guys!" <laughs> and and by George, the the, uh, the San Antonio ball team was playing there. Well, this continued, and and of course, what made it even funnier was the fact that nobody could figure out where the hell our signal was going. I mean, where are we being heard? Well, about five minutes after this happened. We get a telephone call from a station in Kansas who called us to tell us that our station had blocked them out <laughs> somewhere in Kansas. Nothing to do with the San Antonio thing. Had blocked them out, and they were getting our gun smoke. And their little local show was suddenly blocked out, and on came us, and they wanted to know where they were going. <laughs> I mean, where was the Kansas station? So we sat there for about, I would say, it lasted about 40 minutes, roughly, 40, 45 minutes. And that station just continued to boom in, and then without any warning, just like that, zap. They're gone. And they were never again seen in that area. They're just one of those strange ionospheric things. I, I personally had a... a I hope the show isn't boring you because uh, you know these. these <laughs> I know every radio guy is fascinated. I I remember probably the wildest thing that ever happened to me uh, in connection with the strange tricks of the ionosphere. Actually, did happen to me. Uh, I at one time I was a kid and and I was 
I was very limited in funds, and I was a ham. In fact, I was, at that point, about 13. And it was one of those crazy things that happens that, uh, you know, it's inexplicable, really. Uh, and I used to go to school, of course, and I would, every time I would come home from school, being a ham, I would, uh, before we, how about, how about hitting the thing there before we tell the story? It's a weird story. Hit it. Tijuana Smalls, it's something new, baby, for you, baby, you know who you are, it's a little cigar. Tijuana Smalls, things that you do, baby, that's you, baby, you know who you are, it's a little cigar. Slim and mild, tobacco that's aged like wine. Slim and mild, and you know who you are. New Tijuana Smalls. You don't have to inhale them to like them. For you, maybe, you know who you are. You know who you are. It's a little seagull. This is Mayor Lindsay shouting to you from Times Square. If you're having a problem hearing me, that's the problem. Air pollution. 150 decibels of noise is enough to drive a man insane. And in Midtown New York, it's already at 77. Noise is our fault if we use steel garbage cans instead of plastic. And noise is our fault if we flare our radios or don't complain when somebody else flares theirs. I'm sorry if you're having a problem hearing me. Noise is our fault if we blow our car horns. Besides, that's against the law unless it's a matter of life or death. Just listen to the horn. It's a pain in the ear. If we don't cut down on all this racket, we're going to drive ourselves nuts. What do you do when the music stops? Where are you then? Where are you then? When you drop full blown on all the mountain tops? Where are you then, my friend? What do you see when your pupils contract? Then, my friend, you may think drugs are the answer to all the things you may think are wrong with the world. But with that answer, nothing changes except you. And if too many of you choose that answer, where are we then, my friend? Where are we then? The preceding was brought to you by the National Institute of Mental Health. Hey, you know, that's a secret little growing hobby that, uh, I don't think has gotten very much press, but it's a it's a fascinating hobby. Anybody can do it too. Uh, everybody's got the equipment for it, and that's DXing on your TV set. If you get a good rotary antenna up, uh, you'd be surprised what you can see on the unused channels some nights, like three, uh, channel uh, six, 
uh, yeah, six and five. You you keep rotating, and when the other stations locally have gone off, it's not at all uncommon for guys in New York here to watch South America. In fact, uh, some guys in in uh, the eastern area here have already picked up England. Uh, I mean, direct. I mean, while well, they're on TV set. But one of the strangest things that, that uh, ever happened to me, a uh, crazy thing, it's, uh, and to this day I can hardly believe it, I got home, I used to come home from school every day, and I'd go on the air, and I was working, I was on 20-meter CW for you ham types. Now that uh, is normally a fairly long-distance band anyway, and it goes through periods where it's totally dead. You don't hear anything on the band, and will you hear this, I was running two watts. I was running two watts on 20-meter CW into a 6L6 in the final. I had a little 6C5 oscillator and driving a 6L6, running two watts on 20 with a receiving doublet antenna. So I didn't do much in the way of DX. Well, one day I came home from school, and I turned the, the receiver on, and it's dead. There's nothing on the band. I don't even hear any locals except one station, and it is coming in so loud, he covers practically the entire CW band. And it was a very raw, raw note. It was like this. It went... The signal's covering the whole band, and it's UA2AR, which is Russia, and uh, a fairly hard place to get, especially for two watts. So he's calling CQ. He covers the whole band. I figure, uh-oh, here's a phony. This is some guy who's sitting around here about two blocks away because he was knocking the earphones off, nothing else on the band. So when he signs, he stood by. I came in, and I gave him a quick call. I go... Now, I was going through my very moral stage, as all teenagers go through. So, I gave this guy a call, and he comes back. And I say to him, get off the band, you phony. I says, get off the band. And he's, he, he's so local that I can hear clicks, key clicks and everything. I says, get off the band, you phony. And he pays no attention. He comes back, and he goes... Please QSL. Let's send cards back and forth. And I picked up phony. This guy's really poking it up. I mean, I, I, I had trouble even talking to somebody next door in a good day with my two watts. And he comes back and gives me a 589X in Murmansk is exactly where he was located. Well, years go by. And one day, Shepard is in the Army, and he gets a package of mail from the ARRL QSL Bureau. I had not thought about this for years. And in the middle of it all is a card from AUA2AR. I had actually worked them, and now I felt embarrassed by retrospect. I called him a phony. I never sent him a card. 
So whatever UA2AR is, I apologize <laughs> if he's still around. But this strange thing where he was the only signal on the band. And incidentally, I was the only signal that he was hearing in Murmansk. That one brief moment in the sun. So if you tune up your receiver, turn up the contrast real strong some night, and rotate your antenna on channel six, God knows what you may see. Uh, night 